Hello there, I'm um, reviewing The Laws of Spirit by Dan Millman today. Um, look at this lovely little book, an easier book for you today. I thought it'd be nicer to do a, a simpler one. I'm going to be looking at more challenging books in the future, um, but uh, this felt right for today. It sort of jumped off my shelf at me. So just for a, um, a timestamp, we are three weeks into quarantine at the moment. Uh, it is mid-April 2020, um, for anyone that's uh, watching this in the past, as it were. Um, so, last week, last week, which was the 4th of April, there were millions of people meditating from around the world. And uh, I was doing this at that time as well. And it got me thinking, you know, uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we still need millions of people meditating. And it, uh, I, I, wonder, I, wonder, I wonder what can, what can, um, what can activate that, that kind of coming together again. Just a thought, just a thought. That was a week ago. Okay, so uh, The Laws of Spirit by Dan Millman. I first, uh, I got introduced to Dan Millman in 2008. 2008 when I saw the the Peaceful Warrior movie. You may have seen that with with Nick Nolte. Wonderful movie. It's so good. And um, since since discovered the book, I discovered the book the the uh, the life you were born to lead. Life you were born to live. Forgive me. With a phenomenal numerological explanation of your life and your trajectory with it. It's astoundingly accurate. I also really enjoyed his book. The Journey of Socrates, which is about his teacher, his teacher, the one that he meets at the gas station when he's when he's younger. Really, really good books. But this is what I wanted to look at today. Uh, a, a word or two about Dan Millman. If you're new to him, he was uh, he was an Olympic gymnast. He um, broke records when he got to college. He led. He I think he led the gymnastic team there and led them to records. Then he traveled around the world studying martial arts, and it was only in the 80s that he started getting involved in the human potential movement, which is kind of how we know him, as it were. Yeah, so this book, written in 1995, um, <laughs> this is a really deceptive book. Look how small it is. I'm deliberately waggling it around here. Look how small it is. This book is literally, <laughs> it's like it's meant to be on a coffee table or something like that. Like Barnes and Noble um, uh, had, had coffee tables deliberately for this book. It's, what I love about this book is how innocuous it is. I feel like that's actually one of the teachings of this book because it's so easy to overlook. Can you see how big my hand is compared to it? So, Dan Millman, even though he's written these other wonderful books, this is actually one of his favorites. He actually says that this, this book is very close to his heart. He calls it a pithy book, uh, a pithy book which contains solutions to any of life's dramas. So that's a big, um, that's a big, uh, um, that's a big claim, isn't it? I had to look up the word pithy to see what it meant. <laughs> and pithy is basically very concentrated and focused and intense. And that's what this book is. It's full of information. It's, um, it's, 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 it's told in beautiful story form. In, in, um, you've got a main character, his family are away for the weekend. He goes for a walk. He meets a sage up in the hills. And the sage is a female, female, 
we never find out quite how old she is, a female starts teaching him, taking him on some walks and has conversations, and these conversations take the form of laws, she calls them. So each chapter in here, and they're short chapters, each of them is a, a, a law of spirit, a way of practically, a practical application of, of a spiritual understanding, shall we say. What else is there to say? Um, so I'm gonna uh, with 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 a work like this. I feel it's I feel it does it justice to to look at each of the laws. There are twelve of them. There are twelve of them for what it's worth. There's twelve laws. I want to look at each of them in relevance to what we're going through now. Uh, what we're going through now. Whether you're in quarantine, whether you're going to work, whether you're comfortable with what's going on in the world, whether you're uncomfortable, I want to address it like that. I'd like it to be relevant for us. Um, so let's get out the gate then. The first law, and this is, this is pretty much upon meeting the sage, the first law is the law of balance. <laughs> and um, I'm laughing because uh, there's several points in this, in this book where the main character is throwing stones at trees. But uh, this, is, this, is the first, this is the first one. The law of balance is about, uh, it's about correction, because usually we're wavering from there to there, and the first thing that Sage recommends to him is overcorrection. And now, and now at, this, at this time in our lives, April 2020, there's an overcorrection going on, isn't there? We're seeing how well the planet's doing without our interference, how clean it is, how clear it is, how well the animals are doing, how well the ozone layer is doing. There's an overcorrection to happen, because of course there is. There's a balance, he, uh, the sage teaches a balance about giving and receiving, how they're the same one, how when you give freely, it is the same as receiving, and it is a pathway to abundance, pathway to abundance. This chapter, The Law of Balance, is the first time uh, in the book she says the words, doing is understanding, doing is understanding. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Doing is understanding. It shows up later on. Um, it shows up later on. In fact, several of the laws connect very much with each other. So that is the law of balance. The second law is the law of choices. And it was actually this law that got me introduced to, that got me introduced to the book. The law of choice is about the courage to live freely, the courage to live fully, the ability to know and the responsibility to know that you can change your direction at any time. You can fully change it at any time. I tell you how, I, I tell you the thing that really sticks out in this, in this chapter. The sage turns to the, turns to the character and says to him, you should get a divorce. And of course, the main character starts spluttering like, uh, what are you talking about? I, I'm not going to get a divorce. I couldn't do that to my wife. I couldn't do that to my children. What about the money? We're doing okay. And all these things, right? And all these things. But she conveys to him, you cannot fully have something unless you are free to not have it. And that's a big one there. That's a really big one. You can't fully have something unless you're free to choose not to have it. And in that example, which she clearly explained, <clears throat> uh, extends to any relationship, any situation, anything you have or want, you have to know that you don't have to do it in order to fully have it. It's a little paradoxical, a little oxymoronical, but um, a powerful one there. The next law 
is the law of process, or process, I should say. Process. So she explains to him it's about living step by step. And here, the main character speaks for all of us. He speaks for all of us and says, well, that's completely obvious. It's completely obvious. And again, I'll say the secret of this book is how innocuous it is. It's how innocuous it is. It, you, you, you flick through it and you think, I know that, it's obvious. But what you're being taught here is, well, how often do you apply all these things you say you know? And she even shows him what happens when he skips steps. Um, he shows, she shows him the importance of having foundation. And uh, what's one of the quotes? An overnight success takes 10 years. An overnight success takes 10 years. Um, and my favorite quote from this chapter is, people rarely fail, they only stop trying. People rarely fail, they only stop trying. Um, you might be hearing the word, um, as you look on the news and you read what people write, you might be hearing this word pivot from time to time, right? People talking about their businesses and pivoting. What that really means is their business is not working in this current economic climate, and so they're having to change and shift what they're doing to, to meet the times of now, and that's called pivoting. And that is an entirely different conversation to failing. Pivoting is um, flowing with the tide of now. Failing is stopping and giving up. So the next, the next law is the law of presence. And this law is taught by a talking cat. A talking cat, which I understand is male. A version of the sage, but a cat and male. That teaches the law of presence. The, the law of presence is about continual refocusing. Which is similar, of course, you're probably getting this, similar to the law of process. And what the it's funny to say it. What the cat is teaching him is handle what is in front of you. You can only handle what is in front of you. I think he says at one point, um, you can worry about something later. It will be there for you when you need it, right? But to have presence, you have to be present. That's what he says. To have presence, you have to be present. And it's the cat teaching this. My favorite quote from this chapter, and this, this stung me a bit the first time I came across it, is what you, let me get this right. Be clear with what you do today because you are trading a day for it. Be clear with what you are doing, choosing to do today because you are trading a day of your life for it. That's the law of presence. That's the law of presence, beautiful. The next one is the law of compassion. Law of compassion. By the way, by the way, I should say, this is, this is the only way I can think to go through a work like this, and I know it's probably feeling a little clinical. Um, should you choose to read this, Dan Millman writes so beautifully. His crafting of words is lovely and everything I've written by him. And I feel there's a little clinical going, um, going, going more by law in, in this. But um, my hope of doing this is that, is that some of the things I'm saying maybe, maybe flick something on in your mind or, or answer something for you. Because that's really what a book like this does. Anyway, I'll go on. The next one is The Law of Compassion. This is a beautiful chapter. He talks about the earth, he talks about us, he talks about the earth, or the sage does, rather. And humans take from the earth, we cut things down, we, we make mess, and yet Mother Earth is always forgiving us, always forgiving us. 
always forgiving us. And of course, compassion is about our ability to forgive other people, most of all ourself, most of all ourself. And something I love about this book and how innocuous it is, there's something about the art of teaching where the student learns best when he or she doesn't realize they're actually being taught. So with the, this law of compassion, by, by starting off talking about Mother Earth and how Mother Earth forgives us, that kind of opens the heart to understand better about forgiving other people and ourselves. My favorite quote from this chapter is, in the natural world, there are no, there are no friends, there are no enemies, there is only experience. Because in the natural world, nothing is taken personally. And we only have our issues forgiving people and ourselves because we take things personally. The next law is the law of faith. And um, the, the, the symbol of this chapter is the flower. Because the flower always, uh, what the sage says about the flower is the flower does not know if that's gonna be the last day of its life. Someone might come along and step on it, pluck it. Um, there might be a landslide, any of these things. There might be a freeze. That might be the last day of the flower's life. But the flower still opens up to the sun nonetheless. It's a, the law of faith is about, is about living with uncertainty and the willingness to do so. And maybe I can speak for you right now. There's a lot of uncertainty in all of our future right now. It's a great time. It's a great time of change in a lot of ways, but there's a great deal of uncertainty. And it's important for us to continue to show up with that, isn't it? This is the chapter where we, where we hear that age-old expression to pray to God, but tie down your camel. I love that expression. I love that expression. Sometimes people say, pray to God, but, but lock your car. And I'm like, no, it has to be a camel. <laughs> it has to be a camel. Ultimately, the law of faith is about seeing that all events that happen, anything that happens in your day, life, other people, things you care about, it is all a function of something leading to your and other people's higher good. Um, a quote that stood out from this chapter is to weigh external guidance against the wisdom of your own heart. So we might read a book, we might talk to someone, to get their perspective and, and know what to do and where to go and so on, but always to weigh that against our own heart. So it's not about blind faith, it's about measured faith, okay? All right, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> um, we're starting, to, we're, we're, we're about halfway through now. <laughs> the law of expectation, the law of expectation. And I'm gonna talk about duality, duality here in this law of expectation, because on one hand, uh, what the law of expectation is teaching is how our assumptions and our beliefs affect how we see things. Um, they, it, filters, it filters our understanding and comprehension of reality. If we were to see the same thing, different things would be going on in our heads because of our, because of our preconceptions about it. And so we're being brought back to, we're being brought back to, I'm gonna go reality, to see what the illusion of how we, in, we interface with things is. So how, how, our, how our expectations affect reality is one side of it. Then there's the other side of it. 
that our expectation of outcome is actually a form of manifestation. It's a good thing, it's a good thing. Because if we have a line between us and what we expect to happen, that is making it happen. I hear so often and read in so many books that the reason why things don't happen for people, the reason why manifestations don't happen is because, because people give up on them, because people give up on them. Um, I'll just repeat, repeat a quote I said a few minutes ago. People rarely fail, they only stop trying. So if you were to apply the law of expectation to your life and making something happen, it's about keeping that line between you and the outcome and drawing yourself towards it and it towards you. Okay, uh, the next law is the law of integrity. The law of integrity about who you are and what you do when no one is watching. That's integrity. He breaks down the word integrated, or the sage breaks down the word integrated to explain what integrity actually means. Because integrity is kind of seen as a, um, a, a, a value, a standard, right? But integrity, it's knowing ourselves and being ourselves at the same time. It's having, it's doing our best for the outer to match and marry the inner. Live according to your light and more light will be given. That's my favorite quote from this. Live according to the light and more light will be given. Uh, uh, um, marry yourself to a standard you have and support will push you forwards is what I understand that to mean. Okay. Okay, we're in the home stretch now. <laughs> we're in the home stretch. The law of action. The law of action is the next one. The law of action. Now, this is, the, this is the second time in the book we come across that expression, doing is understanding, okay? So it's in the application of information, it's in the application of wisdom that you fully integrate it. So I'm gonna talk about duality again here. So on the one hand, the law of action is uh, combat, inertia, impatience, um, inactivity, so it says only action brings potential to life. Because without that, it's a dream or it's a thought. It's a possibility. And with action, you bring it to life. So on the one hand, the law of action um, uh, um, stops stagnancy. It stops inertia. It makes things happen. On the other hand, we've got the importance of non-action because sometimes it's important not to do something. Sometimes it's important not to interfere. Sometimes it's important to keep our mouth closed and so on. Uh, something that I get from this, something that really stands out in this, uh, in this law, in this paragraph, is about the everyday need for courage. He says that every day we need courage because in general we wait for a problem and then we respond to it. We wait for a problem and then we respond to it. But if we have courage in every day, we are in action. We're not having to wait for a problem to uh, uh, in order to respond to it. Okay. The, the next one is the law of cycles. And rereading this, it really, um, this one really felt relevant to our time right now. Our time right now. Um, there's, a, there's a reminder in this, um, in this chapter about King Solomon. He has a ring made. He has a ring made, he asks the uh, jeweler to inscribe on the ring uh, a piece of wisdom that will apply to every single circumstance. And the jeweler inscribes on it, 
<laughs> this too shall pass. This too shall pass, because that's the only piece of wisdom that will always, always, always be true. So in this chapter, it's a reminder that for some people, change is a blessing, and for some people, change is a curse. Just look at, just look at anyone dealing with life right now, either being at home or being outside, um, how people were reacting to the stock market about a month ago. Remember that? Remember that? So we, in, this, in this law, we're reminded to look at the seasons, remind ourselves that they change, and so we have to as well. My favorite quote in this chapter is, um, is that we have to cooperate fully with our evolution. I'll say that again. Cooperate fully with our evolution. And so if life is going as continual cycles, or, or maybe it's more like this, because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always moving on, isn't it? If life is continual cycles, then we have to know when we're on the upswing and we have to know we're on the, when we're on the downswing. So what, three, four weeks ago when, when, um, when quarantine got put, into, got put into place, that was obviously not a time to be making plans, not be making plans to travel, to start things. Uh, near us, a, um, a, a, a restaurant was going to open. They, were, they, they, they just finished building it. And similarly, when something is winding down, when something's winding down, that's, uh, there's similar action to take there as well. That is the law of cycles. The last two laws I'm going to talk about in the same, in the same context. We've got the law of surrender and we've got the law of unity. There's definitely a vibrational shift in the, in the book, in the story at this point. It definitely feels less grounded, um, higher frequency at this point. Surrender, and I love this, is conveyed as something that's very active and very positive. It's uh, not a disempowered thing. Surrender is about letting go of the smaller will to make way for the higher will. And my favorite, my favorite quotation is in, in, this, in this chapter is, life is God's novel, let God write it. Now, this chapter, the law of surrender, it's, it's, it's totally married to the law of unity because in order to have surrender, we have to, we have to find, make, build, maintain connection to all that is. And I'm sure you, like me, yeah, we get this sometimes. We get this sometimes. We go in, we go out um, of feeling connected to all that there is. But we get to participate fully with the magic of the magic and mystery of creation when we when we, when we are connected when we are connected to it. And so then there's the law of unity, the law of unity, which is the last one. <laughs> and if you've been watching with me this whole time, well done. <laughs> we got there. The law of unity. Straight out the gate, the sage, who is kind of starting to say goodbye to the man at this point, says that the law of unity is a paradox. It's a paradox. Because to be totally connected to all things, it's true. And it's not true. It's not true. I am not physically connected to any of you right now. That's true. Um, are we made, of, made up of the same essence? That's true. Are we on the same planet? Also true. Same universe, also true. Possibly same country. Connected through the same um, social media platform, right? Humanity, uh, this is the sage saying, speaking now, 
humanity tends to look for the differences. Humanity tends to understand itself through the differences. And we are presented with a question when we have an argument with someone, when we judge someone, when we feel hurt, we ask ourselves, what if I was a part of them? What if I choose to see them as a part of me? Okay. The kind of closing words of the sage to the man are um, to explain why she's taken him on this journey is and, and why and why uh, why the laws uh, why, why she gave the laws to him the laws of spirit to him She's explaining to help him see the world to help us see the world in a lighter more humorous more peaceful way yeah I think her parting words were and I think why I wanted to 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 work with this book today her parting words were to help us understand this great awakening that we're in and I don't know about you but in my life this is the first time I have felt I have felt that I was in a great awakening for the last 10-15 years people have been talking about it since I've been on my own path been talking about it but this is the first time I've actually felt that I was in it she says to him she says to him, live the laws, don't try and remember them. Live the laws, don't try and remember them. And the last words are about trusting in the unfoldment of life, trusting in the unfolding of life. So, um, you could probably read this book in the time it's taken me to talk about it. Um, this is not a book to read once. And with, with um, with several of the books that I'm going to do was for as long as I do this, um, these reviews, uh, you're going to hear me say, uh, you can hear me recommend to listen to the audio version, to listen to the author narrating. And I actually don't think you need to for this one, but this is not a book to read once. This is a book to have around, to flick open every now and then. It is beautiful. I actually, I, I'm going to just go to that page again. Each, um, each of the chapters opens with a, um, a, a, a little, a little, um, introduction like this there are short quotes around Dan Millman is a brilliant mind a brilliant mind a very well-read mind and this book is written beautifully it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like uh, watching it's almost like watching Return of the Jedi it's like you know what's gonna happen but you just like it and it's very comforting it's not overwhelmingly challenging there are certainly things in here that will stir you but it's not going to it's not going to upset you i'll do one of those books another day <laughs> i think another day so um the laws of spirit by dan millman um wonderful wonderful author wonderful person and i think that's quite enough to say uh, i wish you i wish you a, a a wonderful evening thank you for thank you for uh thank you for listening to me and um oh and and, and happy happy easter